I'm sick of people saying, oh, it's all about the personality. What is an arranged marriage? So an arranged marriage, this is really important. It's a bit like Tinder. Instead of using algorithms to find you the perfect person, you're using the people who should love you the most, your parents. Yes. And who know you the best. Interesting. Well, they probably don't because most Asian parents don't know their children. Exactly. (laughs) There's a lot of choice involved. I actually disagree with you when you say around choice. Choice is a difficult word in this situation. And and, and I'll explain why. You hear a lot about the perfect daughter in law. Yes. There's also the perfect son in law, which is, you know, get on well with the dad, do whatever he needs to do around the house and all that. So it's a DIY guru. Rubbish at DIY. (laughs) That expectation of the financial stability, house, job. It's showing any sign of weakness, but that's mm. mental health weakness as well. It's a real issue, and mental health problems are really prevalent in the Asian they community. They are. Not talked about. One thing that I don't think is spoken about is... Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place, for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Hey everyone and welcome back to Millennial Mind. This is my first episode in this new studio and I have one really quick favour to ask from all of you. If you haven't already, wherever you're watching or listening to this podcast, if you could press the follow and subscribe button, it would really mean the world to me. Thank you so much for supporting me on this journey here. Let's get into it because I cannot wait for you to see my new studio and my incredible guest today. Dr. Amir. Welcome to Millennial Mind. Thank you for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. I love how I had to call you Dr. Amir and I didn't you call you Amir. Well, you what? My patients call me Dr. Amir. No. <laughs> really? Oh, is that Amir? I'm Amir. so sorry. No, it's fine. God, I've even... Should we start again? Let's start that again. Sorry about that. No. You know what? Let's not start it again because I think there's always a kind of a... I'm not even Amir. I even call myself Amir, but my name is Amir. Uh, uh-huh. And with every Asian name, it feels like there's a white way to say it and an Asian way to say so it. So true. And I've been called Amir all my life because of school and, and I've never corrected anyone. And now I'm when people say my name properly, I say, no, it's Amir, which is so weird, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> that is so weird. Yeah. How interesting. Yes. But thank you so much for coming. Thank you. I'm so grateful to have you here and very happy we've moved this on a Saturday to a Friday. Yes. That's <laughs> just because I didn't look at my diary properly. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's so fine. So for people who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I think first and foremost, I'm an NHS GP full time in Bradford, yeah. uh, which is, you know, <laughs> you know, big up Bradford. Uh, uh, but I also write. So I, uh, I'm a Sunday Times bestselling author. Uh, I appear on ITV's Good Morning Britain and Lorraine. Lots of people may know me from that or GPs Behind Closed Doors on mm-hmm. Channel 5. 
Uh, and some people may know me from my love of nature. So I'm the president of the RSPB, which is the biggest bird charity in the world, uh, and the vice president of the Wildlife Trust. So uh, amazing. lots of kind of fingers in pies. <laughs> so from being on perhaps every single TV show, you know, and every single TV channel, you wrote this book. How not to have an arranged marriage? Yes. Why? <laughs> because I, fa- I was I was looking for a topic to write about. I knew I had to write another book. Uh, and everybody says, write about what you know, don't they? Uh, mm. and, and I haven't had an arranged marriage. I haven't. Uh, I have to make that clear. Okay. Uh, but uh, me and my family, you know, and my sister, I've got six sisters. And, oh, my gosh. Uh, and so wow. I feel like I was present for a lot of those kind of rishti <laughs> that came. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, and, and so I, I, and I've been through a few arranged marriage dates myself. I just feel the whole arranged marriage thing is so rich in stories, comedy, drama, uh, emotion, mm-hmm. uh, uh, depending on where you're coming at it from. And there's so many dis- different perspectives, like the the Western kind of perspective, because you and I have both been brought up here yep. and ha- kind of having that cultural, traditional thing imposed on us almost and expected of us. Mm. Uh, but also from our parents' point of view, who don't want to lose their culture of course. and try and bringing that over here and trying to, it's almost like fitting a square peg into a circular hole, isn't yes. it? They want to for something that may not fit. And yeah. there's just lots to be told about that. For sure. No, I, I completely agree. The idea of marriage has always been brought up for me from a very young age. I've spoken about it a lot on my platform. And I've spoken a lot about how it's been the number one question that everybody asks me. So I think a lot of people are going to be very happy with this podcast because we're going to be talking about it from a male perspective. Yes. Because naturally, I only ever speak about my own perspectives. And ever since I was younger, it was always, you better learn how to cook so that you can get married. You better learn how to do well in school because you don't want to rely on your husband too much because you don't want him to, you know, walk all over you. You better learn how to do this, this and this because your mother-in-law one day is going to ask you for it. You know, I still remember being restricted on doing certain things Mm. because it was always thinking about a marriage prospect or a marriage perspective. Perhaps not being restricted, sorry, but being made aware. Mm. You know, what will your mother-in-law think? What will your future father-in-law think? I don't bloody know. I'm, I'm 14. I don't know what they're going to think. So I think it's really important for us to have this conversation from a male perspective. So talk to me. When did you first hear about the idea of marriage? So, I I mean, I must have been aware of it for, for, you know, from a very young age. I can't I can't remember the exact age of which I became aware of marriage. Yeah. My parents were married. So I assumed it was the normal thing to do. Uh, And then I think the idea of of having an arranged marriage was always instilled in me and it was normal. Really? I, I didn't expect to have anything but an arranged marriage. Uh, uh, really? Yeah. There's a big age gap between me and my elder sister. So when my elder sister had her arranged marriage, I must have been about nine or ten. Uh, Got it. And so uh, that was, it was such a big event. Uh, mm. and, and it, it just seems, it was normal. And right. I, so I always expected to have an arranged marriage. Nothing, you know, the, the idea, I mean, the opposite of arranged marriage is like a love marriage and it would frown. Yeah. <laughs> Scandalous love. Were marriage. they actually, so they, they were frowned upon to have yeah, a love marriage? Like, You're joking. Like, my mum and her mates, like, like all aunties will gossip, won't they? And if somebody had a love marriage, it was like, oh, they had a love marriage. Or worse still, if a love marriage broke up, they're like, yes, well, that's because it was a love marriage. But if it was an arranged marriage, they're just like, oh, well, it's God's choice. So, 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 <laughs> so let's, let's just distinguish between my parents had a love marriage, right? So, and, and everyone in my family, I don't know anyone who's had an arranged marriage, by the oh, way. Okay. Yeah, well, weirdly. Very different then. Very different. Yeah. Very different. But let's just talk around what is, what is an arranged marriage? 
So, it, yeah, so an arranged marriage, this is really important, I think, to, to distinguish what it is. Uh, um, there's a lot of choice involved. So basically, people are making decisions. It starts off with the elders in the community. Mm. And that and, and elders in the community sounds like such an old-fashioned term, doesn't it? Like we live in yeah, a tribe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> but the parents, obviously, you know, right. when a person, a, 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 a man or a woman, come off age, again, now I feel like I'm in Downton Abbey or something, but when they come off age, the word spreads, doesn't it, in the community? Yeah. Right, we're looking for this person. We need to find the yeah. match. And it's all done with the best intentions. Agree. The idea is that they want to find someone that is suitable for you who will work with you in partnership through your life and and you know help you achieve the things you want to achieve mm. that's the idea uh in theory right uh, and essentially what happens is the parent our parents will have a criteria uh, by which they want um to find someone uh, and depending on and this is the tricky thing and this is the things i address in the book a lot of it there's kind of it's almost like top trumps isn't it and and you score highly on your job <laughs> oh um, absolutely how fair your skin is yep. all of these kind of things kind of oh, how body built yes yeah uh, you know all if, of if your size as a woman size as a woman hair yeah, hair, hair huge hair is <laughs> huge so I feel like yeah know, we used to play top trumps as a kid and I think we could have we could have top trumps where they score it <laughs> I feel I would so not, not I would definitely would not be a top trump card but so um so so then once matches are found it's almost like giving the person who's then getting married that's when they get involved don't they so so they will be given a choice going look this is the person we found mm. this is why we like them would you like to meet them and that choice is the key part of the arranged marriage that's what separates it from a forced marriage, which is which is illegal and not the same thing at all. And if you are getting forced to marry anyone, you should be calling the police. Right. Uh, so so the the idea is you you then approve a pre-approved person by your parents uh, and you meet them. And and depending on how things are, and I think modern day arranged marriages are, you get to date at that stage. So you exactly. Meet family and exactly. then you get to know each other by yourselves. And if things go well, great. You get engaged. Hmm. You might get married. Hopefully, you'll get married. If they don't, go back to square one. Yes. Get the word out in the elders again, and go back. What I what I think it is, and what I liken it, it to in the book, is a bit like Tinder. Instead right. of using algorithms to find you the perfect person, you're using the people who should love you the most, your parents, yes. and who know you the best. Uh, Interesting. Right. Well, they probably don't because most Asian parents don't know their children. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think there's an openness to discuss different things like sexuality here yeah because what it's in, in asian culture it's very difficult if you haven't had that conversation with your parents to then say to them okay well you know i'm gay or i'm bi or i'm trans or whatever yeah. and i would like to find somebody like that because that would be a whole nother conversation i don't think our culture has got to that point it hasn't i'm hoping it does exactly it to come but but it, 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 and, and there will be you know cases Definitely. where it has uh, and that is a wonderful thing mm. uh, and i'm hoping that opens out more in the future but we're certainly exactly. nowhere near where we need to be when it comes to those things. which is why i actually disagree with you when you say around choice okay choice is a difficult word in this situation and, and, and i'll explain why when you say choice it means that there's no repercussions is what i'm hearing right so when we compare it to tinder or bumble or any of these apps mm. if i were to go on one of these apps and i was to go on a date with somebody and let's say I go on five dates with them. And then after five dates, I'm like, actually, you're a weirdo. I don't want to meet you anymore, right? If my parents were to find me a nice, 
boy in my community mm-hmm. who they are good family friends with or you know they've met five six times and they're thinking yes my daughter and your son are the perfect compatibility we've got this top trump card of both of them are aligned in every single way and I go on five dates with him yes. there is a pressure yes. I feel yes. where I don't have so much of a choice to say no and, and what I mean by that is I, I completely agree with you. It's totally different now when we're, it's not, it's not forced, by the way. And you do date people before you make the decision, obviously. It's not like before where it's, I think in my parents' generation, it was you were arranged in the sense that you have a choice, yeah. but you have a choice to say yes or no. Yes. The generation before that was like, listen, we've got this man off the street. You're getting married tomorrow. Yeah, you ready? Yeah, get, get ready. So I think it, when we say choice, we have to be careful in the sense that we have to make sure that we were aware of in some situations with certain families with a little bit more traditional, there might be pressure to make sure that it works out. And I think that's why some people are nervous when their parents introduce them to someone because there is that element of you can date now. So when you've gone on 10, 15 dates with someone within your community and let's say you've met an event and let's say the aunties are gossiping about it saying, oh, did you know so-and-so's son and -and so-and-so's daughter? And now they've met, the parents sometimes feel there's a pressure. Yeah. And, but that that takes away the choice, and then it stops yes. being an arranged marriage in the way that it. Oh, should. definitely. And it's because other people are invested in your relationship, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but I would argue that if you were to go on a, a, a date, five dates with someone on Tinder, and you told your parents about them, and you said you were quite happy with it, and they then became invested in that relationship, probably not in the same way because they yes. helped sort it out, mm. but they would also be sad if that broke up. For sure, wouldn't they? For sure, I think it's more around there is still this huge thing around keeping things within our culture. Yes. You know, there is. And I I think people are sometimes too afraid to say that. I've heard it so many times. Make sure you marry within your community. Make sure you marry someone that's Indian. Doesn't matter if they're from, you know, a different caste now, but they have to be Indian. And it's almost ingrained within us. It is. And it's hard then for people to break out of that um, indoctrination almost. Yes. but I'm pleased that people are because we shouldn't think of it as diluting our culture. Mm. Uh, culture is something that changes over time, Absolutely. Uh, over generations, regardless of whether you keep things in or out of your culture. Mm. Uh, but spreading your culture to other people and, and embracing theirs, I think, is what we should be doing more of. Absolutely. It, it's really hard because it, historically, you know, uh, as a as a, as people from historically marginalised populations, we've had other cultures imposed upon us. Mm. Uh, and if you go, you know, if you go back to the, the British rule in India and Pakistan and Bangladesh, their culture and values were imposed upon us. Their laws were imposed so upon true. us. And when that happens, people automatically try and retain whatever culture and heritage that they may have. Mm. And I think that is part of the problem. We want to hold on to things. When people move over to countries like here. Because, again, you know, we're holding on to those values. We don't want them to be diluted. Often we hold on to values which become very much outdated. And you go back to India and Pakistan, nobody's doing the same thing. So true. So true. We're holding on to them because we're, we're, well, our parents, certainly, they're so worried about it it being lost to future generations, whether that's our language, our religious beliefs, or or, or just the way we do weddings, you know, all of that. You know, if I say to my mum now, actually, mum, I want a small wedding, she'll think it's because we're living here so and true. that's what white folk do. And so that, you know, but all of that. So th- th- it's really complex in terms of why people want to hold on to their cultures and why people want to marry within their communities. Uh, uh, and I think it goes back to, to all that historical stuff. Absolutely. But we've got to 
we've got to find a way to move on from it uh, and uh, and spread our culture. That's the key, I think. We're yes. spreading it and we're embracing others. And that mixing of people and cultures, it's like, you know, that's a, only a beautiful thing. Exactly. I think we've got to move away from it being scary and, and, you know, almost going in one direction or the other. You can have both. It doesn't have to be an either or. So your sister got married when you were 10, did you say? Yeah. I remember having to rehearse dance routines in the... <laughs> <laughs> so now tell me when it was the idea of you having an arranged marriage because unlike my experience yours was you were definitely going to have an arranged yeah. marriage so that yeah. conversation must have started early right it started early and then inadvertently I became a bit of a defender for arranged marriages so all through school people would ask me or even at university you know are you going to have an arranged marriage I was like yeah aren't you <laughs> they were like no what university did you go to, <laughs> to oh my god but nobody has arranged marriages everyone's probably like what yeah do you do you, do you want an escape room yeah, are you okay like, blink twice but like <laughs> help <laughs> but but you know i i did not I was not against it. I was actually looking forward to it. I thought, oh, this will save me a job. And, uh, and okay. so, so um, when people were questioning it and really questioning it in a negative way, mm. you find yourself in a position defending something you don't quite understand yourself and why, you're, why you are defending it. But I just knew that's what was going to happen to me. Right. And then um, after I finished university, I worked in Liverpool for a while. And that's when the pressure really came on to find someone. And that's when, when you go away to university, you really mature, don't you? And that's when I realized perhaps that isn't what I wanted for myself. Yeah. And certainly when when you're working in, in, in places like hospitals, where there's such a kind of mishmash of different people and mm. different perspectives, and you see what life is really all about, um, you, you kind of think, well, actually, you know what, there's more to this than what I initially thought. Yeah. It wasn't that I wasn't happy with the idea of arranged marriage I just thought well that's one option now uh, and now I've got other ways that I might find the person for me uh, and so so I was less kind of stuck on that idea as I matured and I think once I moved out of the family home when you everybody does this don't they they mature they find themselves they develop their own thoughts and that's when it kind of became a bit looser for me the idea of, of arranged marriages and at what point was someone introduced to you oh god <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> this is, I remember. So I was away. I was a junior doctor in uh, in Liverpool. Right. So mom, you, already, you already ticked that box for your parents. I'm probably very happy about it. Uh, profession, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, literally. <laughs> probably like, my son is a doctor. He's a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that would be enough to find me like the perfect wife. Boy, was I wrong. Oh, God. So, uh, so my mum sent me a, uh, she, she, she sent me a text message, actually. Right. And she's, well, via my sister, because my mum couldn't, doesn't type text messages. She just said, Make sure, and it was a really short message, and I thought it was a joke because it came from my sister's phone. It said, uh, make sure you bring a good shirt when you come home this weekend because we're going to see someone for you. Uh, okay. And I, was, and I just replied, ha ha, very good. Uh, and then when I got home, she was like, right, go and put your shirt on. Uh, we're going, and this woman, this poor girl lived in Cardiff. So it's like a four hour drive. Uh, You're joking. No, but I'll, I'll come on to that. Why, why this poor girl lived in Cardiff? What do you mean, poor you who had to drive poor, there? Poor me, yeah. yeah. Well, also, poor her. <laughs> I just wasn't into it. But the. So when I got home and I said to my mum, I said, she's like, oh, go and put your shirt on, we're going. And right. I'm like, mum, what are you on about? Yeah. 
And she and I said, no, mum, I thought you were joking. She went, no, but you've, you've agreed to it. I went, did I? And then she pulled out the text. And because I put ha ha, she thought I meant yes, yes. <laughs> As in, uh, to ha ha ha. Oh, my God, that's <laughs> too good. So then I had to go because she like told them and we were like. Oh, and my all, gosh. And I, I just thought it was a whole big joke. <laughs> and it was such a disaster from start to finish. Okay, First tell me. All, all my sisters wanted to come, which was a nightmare. Six of them. Well, we because of a couple, we could only take three. I was so. just going to say. How did you all fit in the car? Yes, right, okay. Yeah, my mum had to like select a selection of sisters. <laughs> were, they, were, were they selected by their job and their high and their top trump <laughs> no, card too? <laughs> I mean, they were, I think it's Present the best options. Yeah, three elders. Yeah. Because like, yeah. And then we got there and, and this girl, she just, a bit like my sisters might have done. And in fact, they will have done. So when, when so you'll know this, but traditionally the blokes go over to the girl's house first, don't yes. they? Yes. Uh, and when this was happening with my sisters, some of them, not all of them, would look out the window when they arrived and would make their decision just by looking out the window. Yes. I think this girl might have made a negative decision about me at this point. So we went into this house. It's a beautiful house. They were, they were. I mean, bearing in mind, we came from like a terraced house in Bradford. Right. Uh, they lived in this beautiful Oh, it's almost like a mansion in Cardiff. We were walking, wow. we had to like drive through a long drive to get there. My mum was like, she thought she'd arrived in Buckingham Palace. And so like we were already out of our depth at that point. And so oh, when God. we when we got there, the mum and dad opened the door, took us into this big open plan, beautiful room. And it was all just a bit quiet. Nobody was really talking. And it's, I mean, it's always awkward, isn't it? First of all. Proper Buckingham Palace vibes. Proper, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one's speaking. Everyone's just staring. Well, the thing is, all your life you're told, aren't you? Don't talk to girls. Don't talk to girls because they will, yeah, of you know, course. you will bring shame. Come on to the family. Yeah. If anyone sees like, you. Talk, talk, talk. And uh, Also in front of your mum and three sisters. <laughs> yeah. Awkward. You bring the banter. Like. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so. Anyway, and then eventually the girl kind of gets paraded in like a show pony. Right. Did she bring you tea? No, she didn't bring tea. I know. Red flag for your mum. Your mum was probably like, nope. (laughs) Yeah. So so she came in and she spent about five minutes with me and then she left. And then slowly, slowly, and this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to us, I think. Slowly, slowly, every family member left and it was just us, me and my sisters and my mum in the room and all, uh, and, and, Oh, before that, actually, they did bring in tea. And it, instead of, you know, normally when you travel far, you expect obviously. samosa. Or yeah, obviously. So, so, but they just brought in a, a box of Ritz crackers, like still in the box. So. Like, you know, like those cereal box Ritz crackers. And they passed the box around. So anyway, slowly, slowly, this so family left. And it was just us in the room. And then right. the lights went out. I'm not even joking. The lights went off. What time was this? This about... Nine o'clock in the evening? No, no, maybe about seven or eight o'clock in the evening. Was it summer? Was it winter? It it was dark, so it must have been winter. Winter? Oh my gosh. And I said to mum, I said, Mum, I think they're trying to tell us something. <laughs> and we just got our coats and we just had to we had to see ourselves out. That is the biggest rejection I've ever had. You are joking. On the way home, I was driving and everybody was a bit like, what's just happened? And then there was like this crunching noise coming from the back. And my mum had taken the crackers. <laughs> She'd taken them. And I said, mum, what's going on? She was like, I'll show them. I'll take their crackers. They can't do our beers a thing like that. Hold on, 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 hold on. You went to meet a girl. Yeah, for five minutes. For five minutes. Four hour drive. Her entire family left you in their house. Yeah. They turn the lights off turn and then your mum stole the red crackers. Yeah, we had to see ourselves out. We had to like cross a moat to get to our car. I'm not joking. It was like, it, honestly, it was a beautiful house though. It's worth going just for the house. Uh, uh, is, 
Is that a joke? No, that is 100% true. Ask the Did you ever hear for them? No, never. And my mum would never ring them now, obviously, because it's so embarrassing for us. Oh, my God. I hope that girl who is watching this podcast, can you please dial in and tell us your side of the story? (laughs) And why you did that? I can't even remember your name. Please ring and tell me what I did wrong. Yeah, that's so mean. That's actually really mean. taller than me. I think that might have been it. Okay, this is where I think that men get annoyed on my podcast, because if a woman did that, Sorry, if a woman was in your position and a man did that, everyone would go in. Yeah. And it's the same the other way. I think that's really cool. It, it, what, it, so <laughs> I'm just laughing because your mum stole the crackers. That's just <laughs> no, cracking me up. Now I can laugh about it. <laughs> well, that's when I decided, you know what? I'm not sure about this whole thing. Because <laughs> that was brutal. That was really The lights off is so funny. It's so bizarre. And the, you know how... Because it was so open plan, you could, it was a bit like the light, you could see the lights coming off. So one room would go off and then another room and then our room went off. So you kind of saw. But when they were leaving the room, what did they say? Okay, see you later. No, they didn't. They just, they just said that one of them left and then another one left and they were like, oh, I'll go and see what they're doing. And then none of them came back. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm still mentally, I mean, I'm over it now. (laughs) How old were you? 25 oh my gosh that's so mean that's so funny sorry i'm cracking up but i'm also like it's a bit me honestly i am enough time has passed that i can laugh so tell me how how, what did that experience show you and you said like it it started to tell you that you know actually you don't want to do this whole arranged marriage thing you know what it it did it was um a bit like the expectations put on girls Mm. uh, that they they have to be able to cook and they have to be able to do this and that i think there's a set of expectations on boys as well which i learned about on this four-hour journey down (laughs) which is you have to be financially stable in yourself but you also then have to be able to provide for the lady uh and then where are you going to live is it going to be with your parents what is that going to be like because we all hear horror stories of mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws yeah and is my mum ready for this and all of this kind of stuff the expectation there is is it's really heavy and going there um with those expectations but also that kind of you have to talk and you have to sell yourself almost to this family uh who you've never met before you've never spoken to uh and then you have to talk to the girl and sell yourself to her i mean it's so hard isn't it there's a significant difference between selling yourself to a set of parents and an entire family Mm. and doing that to the girl that you're going to be with you know when i hear my boyfriend speak on a work call i literally say to him i have to go to another room because i can't stop laughing at you because you sound so ridiculous and he's like what do you mean like that's how i speak on a work call i'm like it's really weird okay and if you spoke to me like that i would think you were weird but it's because he has to put on a different lens to obviously when he speaks to me so when he meets my family he's naturally going to be a lot more serious a bit more conservative and he's not going to be like that with me now if we met with my entire family and he was he was that conservative to me I would think he was a bit of a you know it's just really conservative but he's not yeah you're a different person you're a different person and I don't think that that arranged setting really allows for that to happen and I think the arranged setting is the introduction is correct it's just whether you have a connection of some sort that you can nurture perhaps and then you move on and meet the next person. Oh, not and the I next think... person. You meet that person again over time. Done with you. Yeah. Next. One thing that I don't think is spoken about is how much you need to do as a man before you get married. Yeah. You've just said you've talked about financial pressure. But let's not forget, the tradition is that the man proposes. So you need to propose with a ring. Yes. And it has to be a nice ring. Otherwise, everyone else is going to criticize you for it. Apparently, you have to pay for the honeymoon. 
Yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you don't if you don't take them on a really to a really nice place, and God forbid you don't go first class, you're a failure of a man, right? You know. I don't think that, by the way, before somebody attacks me. That's I'm just joking. I have to, I have yeah, to say joke after everything. Joke. No, no, I have to specify I'm joking because people seem now to attack me for everything. And the third thing is you have to provide a house. Yes. Because if you live in your wife's house, you're not seen to be man enough. And you have to do this about age 25, 26. You know, who can do that now? It's Nobody impossible. I can't even buy my own bloody house. Yeah. Can let alone afford to buy my own jewellery. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It's impossible. So That's... did you have that pressure? Well, I just spent six years at university, so I was riddled with debt. Uh, and also, the other thing you do as an Asian man is give money to your parents as well from your wage. So I was giving so money to my mom. I was I was paying off my debts. I was living in rented accommodation. But at the same time, and you can't talk about finances. No. So I couldn't say to my mom, you know what, mom, I've got 50 grand worth of debt from yeah. university. Uh, um, I'm not sure now is the right time, for, for, <laughs> number one, for you to be taking all my money, but number two, to like then bring someone else into the yeah. picture. Um, uh, uh, because they just assume you'll get on with it, it'll be fine. And actually, my mum, even though all the way through, um, you know, all the way through my kind of older teenage and low, uh, um, younger 20s, she was like, you, you won't have to live with me. You won't have to live with me. And then when the time came, she went, you will live with me. <laughs> or I will live You're with my you. only son. Yeah. And do you live with her now? No, God, no. <laughs> I really hope she's not watching this podcast. You're like, she knows thank I don't God, I don't. Know. Yeah, yeah, but maybe she doesn't know your reaction. Is like, oh God, no, that thank was a very God. Reaction. Wasn't even proposed. It was just like, thank God, I don't live with you, Mum. No, and I love her. I mean, she is a force to be. Well done for well done for saying that. Yeah, yeah, well done. Yeah, did you hear that? Yeah, but it's interesting because. Being a doctor is yeah. the number one thing that any Asian parent wants you to do, by the way. I don't care what anyone yeah, says. True. You say my son is a doctor, he is the king of the world. But it's such a low-paying salary, low especially at the moment with yeah. everything that's going on. You're overworked, yeah. you're not paid for your, for your time, yeah. and then you're expected also as a doctor to further your education constantly yes. and also get married on by the age of 25. And everybody thinks you're rich. Every, literally, everybody thought I what was... What planet are you living on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think now they don't because you see all their NHS strikes on, online. Thank God for that. Um, but yes, so so there's all that pressure, mm. um, and you, you then have to play. Where you hear a lot about the perfect daughter-in-law, yes. But there's also the perfect son-in-law, which is you know get on well with the dad, do whatever he needs to do around the house and all that. So it's and, and DIY guru, I'm rubbish at DIY. <laughs> and I went out with this girl through an arranged marriage process for a long time, and I became very good at DIY. Okay. Like, yeah, I don't even like playing football, but I was playing football with her sons and with her sons with her brothers. <laughs> yeah, it's a very modern arranged marriage with her brothers, uh, and and you know, and then. Taking the anti out for you know so for breakfast, you know there's a lot to do whilst working, <laughs> whilst living. Often the people don't live in the same city as you. There's a lot. There's the perfect son-in-law. What else is the perfect son-in-law? Gosh, what else is the perfect son-in-law? Um, turning up to a lot of events. If <laughs> if if, if um, I, I'm telling you what my mum expects from her because she's got six son-in-laws. And, of course. Uh, oh yeah. my gosh. And so they have to. Um, you know. She th she has a lot of dinner parties. My mum, they have to come to it. Uh, uh, otherwise, it's, you know, it's like be, she will ring them up if they don't turn up and find out why they're not there and make them come. So funny. Uh, but also, like, it's it, it, it's just the kind of you're playing. You you want to be embedded in someone's family. I think that's part of what mm. marriage is. Yeah. Uh, but I think with arranged marriages, because it's such a big 
um, connection between two families in in a way that maybe some other cultures are not. Mm. You're expected to divide your time between the two families. And that often leaves not very much time for you and your missus and your kids and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. On a Saturday, you've got to go and see one family. On the Sunday, you've got to go and see the other family. If you spend too much time with one side, the other Feels side like gets offended. Yeah. yeah. And so all of that, I think that's equal both on son and daughter-in-laws. But that, it is. that expectation of the financial stability, house, job, any showing any sign of weakness, whether mm. that's mental health weakness as well, is a real issue. And mental health problems are really prevalent in the Asian they community. Are. Don't not talked about. Mm. I see it all the time in work because I work in inner city Bradford. We see a lot of Asian people. A lot of Asian people have mental health issues. Um, uh, but all of that is swept under the carpet because as the son-in-law, you have a, 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 a very toxic masculinity role to play. And anything less than that is is just not seen as as fulfilling your duty as someone who married their daughter. You talk a lot about duty as a son-in-law. Mm. How did that financial burden and also financial expectation impact your mental health? Really, really badly because I couldn't talk about it with anyone. Uh, and I was, you know, as a junior doctor, I was honestly, I was living hand to mouth. There were times where, where uh, I, I, you know, when I went, to the supermarket i wasn't sure whether my card was going to work and all of that kind of stuff that's fine you know it makes me who i am now now i really appreciate the position i'm in now you know, not having to think about those kind of things anymore uh but not being able to say that and at the same time thinking god next year i might have to have you know somehow find somewhere to live uh, and provide and and not not being able to talk to anyone about yeah that. it was it was really difficult and i think with other cultures um, families and parents provide the financial support to people in those positions and we don't tend to get that the other way around in well we don't get it as much in in Asian culture. What do you mean? So obviously I, I went to university in Liverpool I was still working in, in the hospitals with all the people I went to university with right and their parents would help them buy them a house and help them buy right. them a car and that kind of thing but we I'm from a very working class family and lots mm. of Asian people particularly from my parents' generation, are working class. So they depend on the child. They depend on us. Uh, Interesting. And, so I, and I don't have a problem with that. You know, yeah. I can help my family. I always will. Um, uh, um, but seeing that in other cultures, you, you kind of, it, it almost gives you a sense of resentment. You're going, why am I having to do this mm. when they're not? And then they progress in different ways through life because they've got that financial support yeah. in a way that you Perhaps can't. wouldn't. Yeah. I think actually, you know, in North London, where I'm from, it is actually the opposite way around, where a lot of people come from either uh, middle class or upper class families, they support their children a lot. Now, the problem with that, I think, is that they don't learn how to do things themselves. And you're so dependent on your family that as a Nepo baby, if you've heard this term, Nepo baby. So Nepo baby is essentially when you're in a certain field, like let's say someone's an actor, and then their child gets into that field because of you. But there are a lot of people that I know that have grown up with really well-off parents and their parents have helped them fund their businesses. Their parents have helped them start a house. Now, there's twofold to that. Why not if you have the affordability? Then the other side to it is actually a lot of those children are very deeply insecure because they don't feel they've done it themselves. So when you meet someone, they're telling you, oh, you know, I wake up at 5 a.m. and I go to sleep at 1 a.m. because I work so hard. Did you know that? I just wanted to let you know that I work really hard. And I'm like... That's great. Fantastic. Good for you. You know, 
And what you see in those kind of families is those people actually feel they can't say no to their parents on certain things. Yeah. So they introduce them to someone, this person's of this particular wealth or class or whatever they do. Yeah. And they actually feel when they're introduced, they can't say no. Because they've been introduced to someone that their parents are marking their seal of approval for. So it's almost like a very traditional way of looking at it, almost yeah. like Gabigusha Gabigam, you know, when yeah. she, he meets someone who is from a completely different background yeah. to him and he loves her. Yeah. See, I, I think I must move in very different circles to those people. It uh, is. It's, it's, uh, as, yeah. So there's two sides to each. Definitely. Bit, isn't it? I'm listening to that. I'm really glad. Yeah. The way I did it. Exactly. It's tough, but you know, it, it, it's worth it. Uh, Absolutely. And now I can support my family in a way that I never could before. I love that. I think it's so nice as well to have that privilege and that, and that honour and to spoil them as well. You know, yeah. it makes me so happy when I can do things with my mum that, she, you know, we never got to do before. Yeah. So talking around arranged marriages, soulmates, do you believe in soulmates? You know, I was having this exact conversation. I train GPs as well. So right. I, I've got a GP trainee who's just started with us. And when they start in <laughs> August, I because they... Is this their starting question? Yeah, are you, are you married? Yeah. Are you, are you <laughs> Do you believe in soulmates? <laughs> Welcome to the GP world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is part of training. So I actually do believe in soulmates. Oh, do you? I think it's because I have found mine. I don't often talk about it and I don't... Uh, yeah, yes. But I have found mine. And I'm really happy. And before that, I didn't believe in in soulmates. And and it was, you know, it was at first sight, like like it is in the books and, and movies. It was like that. Yeah. But I don't think that's the only way to find a person. Right. I think I think there are. I think it, as with everything in life, there are different ways to find the person for you. Uh, and I, I I believe in love at first sight and finding your soulmate that way because that's how it's happened to me. Uh, but I also think that idea that arranged marriages are kind of built around where you kind of find someone you have a connection with and they become your soulmate mm. uh, uh, is also viable. Uh, because if you look at it from a dating point of view, you might meet someone and you just think, oh, I'm not quite sure. Everybody's had someone who grows on them. Correct. hundred percent. Uh, uh, and someone who you wouldn't think about romantically, suddenly you are starting to think about romantically. Yes. And they that person then becomes your soulmate. And it's almost like, you know, when people talk about um, having a, a relationship, a romantic relationship based on friendship and then moving that along Definitely. a little bit. And I, I, I think in terms of, because of, human beings are so complex, our emotions are so complex that there can't be one way to find someone. No. And 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 I do think, I do believe in soulmates. I do think there's different ways to find your soulmate. Yeah. Uh, and if you haven't got love at first, like, don't, who cares? You will find someone in a different way. And, and don't be afraid. To, I, I've had so many people say to me, I mean, this uh, I sound like my mum now, but when when my sisters were were like, when potential suitors were coming for them, and if my mum was looking within the pool of people we already knew, right, uh, my sisters would go, oh no, I've never thought of him like that before. Mm. I've never thought of him like that before. I was like, well, think of him like that then, you know, change the, like, have a, don't you, just I can't wait till you're a dad and you're literally <laughs> going to be saying all of these yeah. things to your children. <laughs> like a really old <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Look, it's not that, you know, you can switch the way you think about people. Or, I don't think you can. Oh, I think you can. No. Yes. Why not? Well, it depends if you've obviously if you've met them when they were 10 years old and yeah. you meet them when they're 30, that's a different situation. Yes. But if you've grown up with somebody 
and you've seen them in only, you know, like a friendly manner, you can't suddenly find them attractive. Unless you haven't seen them for a while. Yeah. Is what I mean. Or if they have like a makeover. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So obviously if 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 um if you've seen them, if I saw someone last week, I don't think I'm gonna change my mind on seeing them this week. <laughs> but it's not suddenly changing your mind, it's just a can you work with this? Is there potential? Oh my god, you're making me laugh so much. <laughs> you know, I sound this, like an old Asian man. This is meant to be a serious podcast and I I'm cracking up at everything you're saying. I just think there's lots of different options. <laughs> that's why I think I think there's life is about options. I think Arena. Yeah. Marriage is one option to find someone. Fine. There's different ways to find your soulmate as well. So seeing as you're this love guru, okay, I've, I've realised this. I've written a book now. So uh, how, yeah, you are. So there are a lot of people that are struggling to find people. And, and I think one of the reasons is, is we have an abundance of choice. Mm. Now, when you have too much choice, yes. it is impossible to choose an option. There was a study done where they asked these participants to choose of, of different jams. And when they gave them, I think, 55 jams or something ridiculous, nobody could choose their favorite yeah. jam. They gave them five and everyone chose an option. Yeah. Now, the problem with all of these dating apps at the moment is there are so many options and you always feel like you're missing out. Not only are there options, options within your own country, you can go on holiday and find a date and fall in love. Yes. Right? And now these, you know, you've romanticized, you know, finding love at first sight because it's happened for you. You'll hear people saying that I went on holiday for a hen, I went on a date, and now we're married. And so it it opens options for other people to think, well, that can happen to me. And I think it can happen. It can definitely happen. I think, think, you know, again, relating it back to arranged marriages, one of the things we've always been told, don't consider too many options at once, is it? Narrow it down because... Your brain can't, it's a bit like, I don't know about you, but if I'm trying to book a holiday, impossible it's for impossible me. Yeah. because you go, oh, I want to go to Vietnam, but actually yeah. Thailand looks better, but Australia and the flight there is only an hour longer and it'll be warmer. Yes. So so it's a bit like that, isn't it? If you if you have too many options, your brain, it can't, it can't focus, process it. And it will it will just say, well, actually, we're not going to make a decision. That, that I think if you're struggling, and I had to give this advice to my younger sister, because uh, mm-hmm. you know, she had, you know, she was very lucky. She had lots of options, uh, but she just wouldn't, pick one uh and so so i think what you've got to do is take your eggs out of the basket <laughs> crack them open and get rid of them and just okay. keep one uh and and focus all your attention on there but the key has to be and i you know my soulmate i found love at first sight but there's been so much compromise in that relationship so much you know i knew the connection was there i knew this was the person for me how how did you know that i i don't say you just knew, Ahmed. I, I want to say you're a doctor. <laughs> Tell me the scientific process <laughs> map, right? Yeah. Tell me all of the details well, of can... how you just know. Well, I can tell you scientifically what was <laughs> happening inside of me. My oxytocin must have gone up, which is my love hormone. How am I meant to measure that? <laughs> if I'm, if someone's sitting at home, love hormone's going up. If you, if you're, if you have. If you know, if you know someone, your oxytocin will go. Up. This is the, this is love hormone. Your stress hormone, cortisol, will come down. I'm always stressed, Ahmed. But. That's, are you stressed around your partner? Though? No, sometimes, yeah, of course I am. Not all the time. Not all the time, I'm the just person joking. that makes you the least stressed. Yes, being around him makes yes, you the least yes. stressed. So does my dog. So how am I meant to know the difference? Well, again, it's the <laughs> hormones that are flowing inside of you. But in terms of how I just knew, mm. I think this person makes me laugh. 
immediately there was that physical attraction yeah obviously. do you think there needs to be physical attraction in a yes, relationship yes, yes i'm sick of people saying oh it's all about the personality no. because being attracted to somebody isn't just about being physical you know physically attracted to them but i do think there needs to be some sort of physical attraction Absolutely. if you're going to spend the rest of your life with that yeah. person and i think that's harder to grow into the physical yes. attraction side well not for you you say that you people can grow i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> not for your kids you're going to be like you'll grow to love yeah. them <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll just change the color of their hair don't worry about it <laughs> but the the i think what, what i'm trying to say is in terms of options mm. i think you can have too many options and, yeah and if you found someone that there's even the smallest spark with doesn't mean you have to commit to them for the rest of your life but what what you should do is focus on that person or yeah. one or two people uh and and say right are the compromises I need to make to make this relationship work, are they too much for me to bear? And if the answer is yes, move on to the next person. If the answer is no, I want to, uh, these compromises don't seem insurmountable and there will be no relationship that doesn't come with compromise. I sound like anti Seema from... Oh, you do. I was just going to say, <laughs> do you want my biometrics? So, but compromise is the key to relationships, whether that's with your family <laughs> or whether it's... it's uh, What's the percentage? Tell me. Oh, I don't know. Oh, you're not aligned with her. She says 70, 70%. Did she? You'll oh. only find 70%. That might be true, actually. <laughs> She's a wise woman, anti Seema. <laughs> she is. <laughs> I met her in, um, in Mumbai, actually. I'll tell you about it after. But anyway... Compromise is a difficult one, Why especially the older you get. Yes. And the absolutely. reason the reason I say that is because we're all told at the moment, you know, you are the most perfect, amazing, especially as women. I will say this. As women, we are told, stand your ground. Mm. You're beautiful, whatever you look like. You're beautiful as you are. Learn to love yourself. And the self-love club is growing more and more, which I also feel I'm part of because I believe in that you should love yourself, yeah. right? The problem with that, though, sometimes is we do believe that we shouldn't compromise on things because we believe that someone should appreciate us for the way that we are and love us for who we are. Right. And and I'm talking about this from a female perspective. I don't know what the kind of perspective is on men. And I think that can be tricky sometimes because we're, we're taught that, you know, everything in life is perfect. You'll go online and you'll see your favorite celebrities and they'll be loved up and you'll be like, they live the most amazing life. And my partner won't even take the bins out. Yeah. And so we're we're kind of torn at at this point. The older we get, in terms of, it's very difficult to change your habits. And I do understand our parents telling us to meet someone when we're younger, because the older you get, the harder it is to compromise. Yeah, yeah. And so, what are your thoughts around compromising with someone? And what are the things that you, as a man, yeah. had to compromise on? So, what you're talking about there—the self love and and really, you know really having your own standards you should never compromise on that that's really important okay yeah. okay talk to me about that what should i not compromise on well how someone makes you feel nobody should make you feel lesser got it than than you are mm. uh, in fact they should make you feel better than 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 you feel about yourself because this yeah. person is supposed to love you unconditionally aren't they yeah uh, um so you shouldn't compromise on that if someone is making you feel less than that is not your person and you should you should move on Okay. However, this example of you saying, oh, he's, he, he hasn't taken out the bins. That isn't just about taking out the bins. It's the thought process about what that person, how he or she, you know, is going to do something for you that will make you feel less stressed or make you feel mm. better about something. So even something as small as taking out the bins is all part of a bigger brain decision, isn't it? It's yes. about, I'm going to take out those bins because Shiv, Shivani, sorry. <laughs> no, Shiv is fine. Yeah. Uh, it will make Shiv feel 
better about something or it's yeah. the best thing for Shiv to do. They're thinking about you. It's not about mm. the business. They're thinking about you. If you're if you find someone who makes decisions with you in mind in a positive way, that is what you're really looking for. Mm. Uh, and someone who's going to support you in your decision making as, as well. But you then have to make decisions. So that person may not want to have taken out the bins. And it's, you know, but they have, in a way, they've done a compromise because it benefits Correct. you. So the compromises I'm talking about are things that shouldn't take away from you, but may take up some of your valuable time or your valuable money or something like that. Something that that is is important to you, yeah. but doesn't take away from you. Got it. But adds to this person that you you really love and really like and and supports them. And that is what the compromise is about. For example, if I you know if I don't want to go to my in laws' house, I don't want to go because maybe the cricket's on or I'm watching Wimbledon. But I will go because I know it means a lot to my partner. What lovely reasons you gave. <laughs> I love Wimbledon. <laughs> what diplomatic reasons you gave. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm just like, just don't want to go. Yeah. <laughs> just don't want to see that much. Yeah. But I will go because that... It's, it's important not, to them. And it's not a massive deal to me. You know, it'll inconvenience me for half a day, let's say, but it's not the end of the world for me. And and what I lose, she gains more from. Yeah. And that, I think, is where the compromise happens. But I'm, I'm not doing any, I would I would not expect her or myself to compromise anything that, that takes away from me. Because I'm very busy with work. Yeah. I'm very busy with lots of things that I do, which, uh, and, and she is as well. And and we never, we wouldn't, neither of us compromise on work and neither of us expect each other to compromise. That's a boundary uh, you've set, which yeah. is really important. Yeah. Uh, but those compromises might come out, what I'm talking about, these small, small compromises yes. that mean a lot to the other person. In the book, you talk a lot around weddings and relationships being everyone else's business talk to me a little bit about that because I know that everyone loves to be involved but as a man I haven't really heard it from a male perspective that everyone's so involved because as a woman people are very 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 involved involved. I mean even now if I answer the phone at my mum's house if the landline goes and an auntie's on the phone the first thing she says is when am I coming to your wedding or when are you getting married and all of this kind of stuff I'm like oh auntie you know inshallah when God wills is that what you say okay because I can't say well auntie no thanks I don't want you at my wedding Which I, which I don't want to say to be fair. Someone's told me that I, that I wrote it the other day because people constantly ask me when I'm getting married. And now, actually, the other day, someone asked my boyfriend and we were together. Yeah. We went to an event. He's standing right there. It's his auntie. And she goes, so when are you going to give me the good news? I'm not asking the question. Bloody ask him. And anyway, he said, he goes, we've already done it. Did you not, did you not know? And she, her face <laughs> dropped. I could, I, I was standing there like, and he was like, we've already done it. Did you not know? And she straight away looked at my hands and she goes, oh, you're joking because I would have killed you if you got married without me. Yeah. What a great response. What a good, maybe I should I was so that. proud of him. I was like, yeah, what a great response. Kill me if I even <laughs> joked about it. <laughs> what a chance. Well, I think, um, what was the question? I've totally the question forgot. was, I've got to, societal expectation. Societal expectation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a obviously there's a expectation to get married by a certain age isn't there there's, there's your, your your life map is mapped out in front of what was it for you uh finish university get married by 27 28 children 29 30 <laughs> and then you know then then you can live your life once you're settled and right. your life is finally your own even though it's okay not, it belongs to your kids doesn't it yeah then so, yeah so, um but so that was the map and that isn't what happened with me. And I'm quite pleased it isn't what, what happened with me. Um, but I think that this, 
I think societal expectations is good and bad. I like the fact that our communities are close-knit. Yes. I like the fact that in bad times, we come together and we support each other. Uh, and I certainly found that with my dad, you know, when, when he passed away many years ago, this, the, the, the community coming together every day at our house was packed for weeks and weeks and weeks. Mm. And that brought great comfort to my mum. Uh, yeah. And I was really grateful for it. Uh, but at the same time, because they're so everybody's so invested in each other's lives you know they they want you they want they feel they want what's best for you don't they and they think they know what's best for yes. you yes and i think this expectation comes from a good place i, I, I agree and 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 they 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 feel the the kind of the vanilla story of you finding someone perfect that they you know everybody approves of and you get married and you have children and you add to that society and you expand that expand that society and then you go on to support people within that society and you move up the ranks in terms of elders and all of that stuff um i do i i do really have a lot of time and respect for that because i think other cultures have lost that and are paying the price yes for it, particularly the 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 older communities in their in their cultures and i think it's important we we try and retain that at the same time, it puts extreme pressure on young people mm. uh, to follow a path that it has was carved out in a different time. Yeah, uh, uh, and and I think that that's what makes it difficult. Difficult. We are conflicted as first generation Asian people who are born here. We are finding our own path, aren't we? And I think we're the first people to do it. And that's what makes it difficult because we're getting bombarded from both sides, you know, from, so true. From, from the Western end, you know, career is really important and you can put things off until you're a bit older and that's fine as well. And on the other side, you're hearing a different story and, and it's so difficult and it, it really does impact people's mental health. We might not talk about it as much as we should. We may not even think it's impacting our mental so health, but true. it does those kind of small digs every time you get asked whether when you're getting married, is it, it hurts each time it's in your subconscious yeah. that's what i found this year yeah i've never been I, th I think a couple of years ago it used to really bug me and I, I did a video on it last year and i said can people please stop asking me nobody listened you know that video got over five million views and still none of my aunties bloody watched it no. great they're, they're saying well done i'm doing so well on instagram I'm like well can you watch it so that you can learn from it and stop asking me yeah. but the point is is this year when i turned 30 i really struggled because I thought that I was somebody who perhaps wasn't bothered mm. by the question of when you're getting married, when you're gonna buy a house, Shivani, when you're gonna settle down, Shivani. Yeah. I never thought those questions would impact me. And when I turned 30, I had a meltdown because I thought, wow, I really have failed in life. I haven't got a house, I'm not married, and I don't know when I'm gonna have children. I'm having all of these conversations on my podcast around egg freezing, around IVF, around how difficult it is, and all of these subtle comments that people keep telling me, don't you want to get married? Don't you want don't you want to have children? You know, you need to focus away from your career now. You always have your job. Doesn't he want to get married to you? What's taking him so long? Those questions naturally are in my subconscious and I'm having doubts about them. Chipping away at you. And on my 30th, you know, I always said, you know, when you're 21, well, sorry, when you're 18, you know, you're all, generally all my friends were going to university. When I was 21, everyone was getting a job. Mm. I turned 30 and all my friends are married and a lot of them are trying for children. And what am I doing? My podcast, you know? You and say it though, because from the outside, looking at you. Yeah. Those are not the questions going through my mind. And I don't right. I can't imagine for people from our generation. Yes. I think a successful, confident 
woman that lots of people might aspire to rather than all those negative thoughts that you're having. And that's the point is that I, whilst I preach that and I believe that, I am conflicted because for 30 years of my life, I've been told a narrative of what I should be. And I'm trying to trying to create a narrative of what I could be. Yeah. And so these are combining together, are putting me at a place where I don't want to conform and put pressure on my relationship and rush to do all those things. Because like you said, when you get married, there's an extra level of responsibility. And when you're younger, you're not told that it's an extra level of responsibility. You're told it's something you should do. Yes. And in a way, it, they almost make it sound like you'll be relinquishing responsibility like like first of all they they tell you they're relinquishing am i a burden that you just want to get rid of number one literally number two they're like but then you can have your own life then when you're married you can exactly that you can settle down and you know i've heard so many people say to their kids you know when you're married you can travel yes when you're married you can do all those things when the hell do you have the time exactly Exactly. it's impossible families to make happy but I think the expectations are huge, but we are in a unique position and hopefully it will be easier for future generations because yeah. we will have been there in a way our parents haven't been and we'll understand it in a way that our parents don't. Uh, uh, and and I think we are we are going to have to suffer uh, for the future generations. We are. I know I sound like a martyr. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> I mean, we're having a good time to be fair. I'm going to clip all the bits where you're like, I sound like this, I sound like this, I sound like this. It's just so versatile as a personality you are. <laughs> I don't martyr from downtown Abbey. There's so many things you've know, walked to this podcast. <laughs> I, I do think there's a, we're learning a lot of like, any any generation that is the first to do anything it will be just it would so be true. so hard when our parents came over here for the first time we often don't think about how difficult that would have been for them uh, and it, it you know and, and they don't talk about it as much as we expect them to you know what was it like when you first came over what was that cultural clash yeah. like and for us where they were the first to do that we're the first to grow up here with this conflict of cultures the next generation hopefully will have it easier hopefully not not everyone uh um and that idea of expanding our culture which i'm such a fan of yeah uh, um it might hopefully start to happen in a way that we haven't seen with our generation before we close i know there's going to be a lot of people that are watching this podcast and thinking well you were told that you're going to have an arranged marriage from the day you were born, basically. You know, subconsciously, you don't even remember, but it's probably very subconscious. I was like, I was like, I can't get a girl like that on my own. My mum will sort me out. So funny. (laughs) But you went against the grain. You had a love marriage. I didn't intend to, though. Okay, your mum's not watching. Don't worry. (laughs) I didn't mean to, I promise. (laughs) But there will be people at home that will be in a similar situation to you that will perhaps, you know, find it difficult to have that conversation with their parents what tips do you have for them? And, and how did you have that conversation with your mum? It was the hardest conversation I've ever had. Okay. And I put it off for years. Uh, Why? Uh, because I knew it would break her heart and I knew it would be difficult. And I knew it, it wouldn't be the fairy tale that you see in books and films where, you know, they cry for a bit and then they come around when they see how happy they made me. You know, that is what everybody, everybody told me that. Just tell her because she'll be just happy that you're happy. <laughs> like, you don't know my mother. <laughs> what, did you tell people like that at uni, right? You're, yeah, I told my mates. Yeah, you're probably your white friends. We're like, yeah. she'll be happy for yeah, you. Honestly. You have no idea. It took me ages to pluck up the courage. Ages and ages. I put it off and put it off and put it off to the point where uh, it, it was having such a negative effect on my relationship 
both with everyone really mm. uh, and on myself and then I just I just thought we'd just come back from B&M <laughs> and, uh, and I just thought right now's the time to do it so what triggered you in B&M I, I think it was all the bargains I don't know <laughs> <laughs> well, when I get my own house, I can have one of them. Oh and my it's... god, that's so funny! <laughs> and it, it you, I think you, when you plan and plan and plan to do something, you never do it, and it, you just have to do it. And I, I, it was horrible for about three years. The horribleness went on for a long, long time. It's not something that was done and dusted, and that was the end. And it was awful, but it was the best thing I ever did. Why? Uh, because now I'm actually. I'm actually, and it sounds so contrite, but, but so trite, sorry, it, that I'm, I'm more me. I can be me. I'm not having to pretend. Yeah. Uh, and I'm so comfortable around my partner. Like, it's just the best thing I've ever done. It's still a bit of a thorn in my mum's side, if I'm being honest. And she's not completely there yet with it all. Um, but she's learned to live alongside it. Uh, and that's probably as good as I can expect. And I'm, I'm OK with that. But anyone who's in that situation, and trust me, I thought it'd be easier to break off my relationship than tell my mum. And lots of people would do that. Yeah. And I get that. And no judgment at all, because everybody's situation is different. Mm-hmm. And nobody's mum could be more traditional than mine. Well, there might be, but <laughs> I feel that way. And nobody, you know, I didn't have the support of any of my family members, really, with it all. So it was very isolating. It was it, 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 the, the thing that worked well for me is that I had somewhere to go once I'd had the conversation. So I had my own house at that point. Right. So I could tell my mum, try and talk it through, realise that we weren't going to get anywhere with that initial conversation and then go and then try and come back to it each time. Okay. I think what will make it really difficult is if you live with your parents Correct. and find out that conversation because then you've got nowhere to go. Having that escape route was really valuable to me. Mm. Everybody's situation will be different. Uh, and and I, I'm definitely not telling you what to do because only you will know what's best for you. Yeah. Uh, but for, in my situation, um, I really didn't think I could do it. I thought the relationship I had was just like a, a bit of a romance and then I'll, mm. I'll get rid of it and then I'll have an arranged marriage and it'll be fine. And I realised I couldn't do that. Uh, what made you realise that? Love. I was in love. Uh, and and the in butterflies the, in the yeah everything it was everything that I uh, I thought I would never have uh, uh, and so I thought it was too valuable to let go of yeah uh, and no matter what I did nobody would ever compare and I thought uh, it, it took me a lot of working out in my head that I was worth making that it was worth it you know I was valuable enough. Yeah. To make that decision for me instead of for other people. I love that. Uh, and that took a long, you know, years of, of and I, uh, years and years of, of brain space to get to that decision. Um, and imagining life without my partner was just not worth imagining life as. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that was it. And if you're in that position. God, I, I honestly, I can't tell you what to do because I know how horrible it is. I know how it's it's all encompassing. I know how it eats away at you inside. I know how you feel like you're letting everyone around you down, your family, your partner, everyone around you down. Um, but for me, it was the right decision to make. Yeah, I think it's really difficult when you're in a tricky situation with confronting your parents around something that you know that they won't like. Mm. 
But what I will say is that self-love element that you've mentioned is so key mm. because there's always going to be something that your parents from a different generation who have different opinions, who have different viewpoints are not going to like that you do. Yeah. And if you're always going to live a life that's based on what they want, yes. you're also going to end up being really resentful towards them. And having open communication with your partner, your family, your friends, whoever it is, is the most important thing because... You know, as you said, you know when you when you meet someone and you love them, right? I was asking, I was probing you on those questions because I know people at home will be trying to find a tangible thing. But you know, every time I've met somebody and I've got butterflies in that moment, you just know, and it's energy. Yeah. And if I were to not be with a person because I thought that my parents might not like it, I'm also not giving them a chance to change their perspective. Yes. I'm also not giving them a chance to open their minds and for them to understand that perhaps things aren't the same anymore. Mm. And so we're often very quick to make a decision for other people like our parents yeah. when we don't know what their response is going to be. Yeah. So good on you for having that conversation with your mom. And I'm so glad that she is also supportive of it now. You know, she's not going to be jumping off the rooftops, but she accepts it. And that's really nice. I have never laughed so much in a podcast. Oh, good. I've, I'm, I, honestly, it's so great. And your book is also really hilarious too. So you should have been a comedian. But anyway, everyone, this book is out in two days time. Can you pre-order it? You can pre-order it now. Yes. How you can pre-order it. Marriage. And if you found this podcast funny, please make sure you subscribe, like it. And follow Dr. Ahmed too. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for making me laugh.